Hello and welcome to episode number 294 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. We are back with a very uh, anticipated, highly anticipated movie to discuss this week. Oh, it feels so weird. These- yeah, this is one of the good ones. This is this is not one of the ones that you skip. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, not like last week. Um, we're back with a big, big release back in in our home, which of course is the cinema, um, yeah. with one of you know the most exciting directors around right now with his return. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all looking good on paper. Um, but you never know, do you, until you've seen the film. Um, but we have now seen The Northman. Um, and yeah, we will be discussing it very shortly. Um, but first, there is a little bit of news this week. Really not too much. Just throwing a couple in here. Um, but I just, to be honest, I really can't wait to talk about the film. Um <laughs> But this first one, so there isn't really too much to go off with this one, but I want to throw it in here because I always like when, um, <laughs> what's that? Skip. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's like a director that we've liked their previous work and we and we know a bit more about what they're going to do next, um, mm-hmm. obviously whether or not it's something we're going to be interested in is another story. Um, but obviously kind of one of our favorite movies over the last few years um, was St. Maud, um, which was obviously a first-time director in Rose Glass. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've been highly, you know, wanting to know what she's going to do next. Um, she is still attached to A24. Um and her next project, um, which is called Love Lies Bleeding, um, and it's being described as a romantic thriller. Um, who knows what that means? Because I think mm-hmm. thriller for me is the one genre word that I think I hate more than anything. Yeah. Um, because this could literally be anything from a straight up horror movie to a drama to an action movie to a sci fi movie. It could be literally anything. Um, but that's what they're calling it. Um, and so the kind of brief synopsis, um, I think my least, that, really. my least favorite like tag for a movie is when they say sci fi thriller yeah Even like sci-fi could, is like a whole plethora of things so mm. is thriller like it could be alien or it could be annihilation or it could mm. be back to the future like you know? yeah. <laughs> especially if you throw in like fantasy as well we just like what does yeah. that even mean at this yeah, point exactly. um but yeah no the hollywood reporter so basically their short description is a romance fueled by ego desire and the american dream um so sebastian stan in it yeah we like we like say we know nothing about this um this is just like the first you know there's many many steps and this is like the first one of like hey this is a movie that exists that has a title um and you know rose glass this is her second project after her first project was absolutely incredible um and yeah she's directing and it is from a script that she co-wrote as well so i'm pretty sure that's the same as uh as uh saint maud because that was like a co-writing job as well um First of all, just as a weird aside, I always love that. I always think that's a really good combination that's really underrated of having like, you know, there's a director who does like writing hands on, but they aren't just on their own. They have that co-partner who is more kind of in tune on just the writing side. And there's so many people that I'm I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case with this movie we're about to discuss as well. Um, mm. But that's that seems to be a very good combination that I always get excited for. It's like, okay, you have these two people that got in a room to bash out all the internet to the story, but then it's one person's kind of vision getting that script across on screen the best way possible. Um, it's pretty much how Edgar Wright has always worked as well. Um, well, I think the definition of a writer's room that, that exists in the TV world, you know, more than the film world, you know, works very well. But you 
you know, it, it's difficult to have multiple directors on a project. Um, mm. in, in most cases that, that, you know, can muddy the waters. It, it does work and can work, but, but certainly multiple, multiple writers and one director seems like, you know, the, the traditional sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to whatever that next project might be when we find out a little bit mm. more for sure. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, out of anything, obviously, it's her return picture. But I mean, even mm. it being A24, you at least know that it's going to be somewhat genre related. Um, yeah. Obviously, they kind of have a very expansive catalog at this point, And obviously, not all of it is for us. Um, but that definitely gives me hope that it's not just a complete pivot away. Um, because I feel like after the success of St. Maud, she could have easily just been like, oh, no, I'm going to do like a British period drama, you know, or something like that next. And this clearly doesn't seem like that's that anyway. Um but we shall see. I'm sure we will talk about it in the news in the future when we know more about it. Um, and then just the last one this week. Um, I think we talked about this last week. Um, and, and there seems to be like another small update without really saying much. Um, but it's kind of perfect because we're going to be talking about uh, Robert Eggers' new movie shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been kind of talking about these whisperings, these murmurs, these long-term rumors about him making a Nosferatu movie. Um and then we kind of talked about how like Harry Styles was attached and then dropped out and it's basically yeah. just been stuck. Um, well, Robert was talking about it this week, obviously, as he's kind of facing the press uh, in the in the, in the lead up to the Northman. Um, and I believe this was to IndieWire. They kind of asked him, like, what the hell's going on with Nosferatu? Um, to which he replied, dude, I don't know. <laughs> it's the start of the Always. That, I mean, that's great. That's that's already just everything you need to know in it right there. <laughs> yeah, I love the honesty. Um, he says, it's fallen apart twice. Um, I've been trying to get word out uh, because the word did carry that Harry Styles was going to be in the movie. I just want it to be clear that he was going to play Hutter and not Nosferatu himself. Um, he continues to say, I've been trying so hard. I just wonder if it's Minot's ghost telling me that you should stop. Um, that's the the director of the original movie um and yeah so it is interesting like at least he's talking about it and he's basically saying that he's struggling like i'm curious obviously he's being very vague here as these projects that are ongoing are you can't go into the details but i am curious when he talks about problems whether it's just a bunch of random things where it's like say harry styles dropping out that's a problem you know if he picked him to play this character Hutter, and he he dropped out then you have to find someone who you think can also play the role as well um you know whether there's other people in the production that fall out we already talked about in the news um when we last talked about this where it was like the his long-term cinematographer had basically what was it had moved to prague hadn't he and like enlisted his children into school in prague it's kind of like set up for pre-production mm. um and that was when we really thought like oh damn this seems like it's the something that's going to happen yeah. yeah um so yeah i am curious to hear more about this as well um and he basically he also said that he'd love to reteam with Willem Dafoe again, but he also noted that like the fact that Willem did play Nosferatu in a movie in the year two thousand, that yeah. he probably wouldn't cast him as Nosferatu at this point, um, which is hey, a shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but either way, like I, I've talked about it. We we obviously talked about it more in depth last week, as kind of hearing about this for the first time in a little while. Um, I would love this. Obviously, first and foremost, I always want these people to do original stuff, but there is something about this project that just makes too much sense for it to not happen, in my opinion. And I think the passion is so clearly there from Robert in everything he's made that this is like his dream project. Mm-hmm. So for his sake, I would love for him to uh, to, to get this off the ground. Um, I think that's the yeah. biggest thing. Like, I'm not really that fussed about mm. that as a project. Um I've learned from Robert, though, that I just need to 
they'll jump headfirst into whatever he puts out there. And like mm. you say, it feels like it's such a passion project. Um, you know, the, that for me, you know, that, that, you know, that would be brilliant just to see because, you know, putting his heart and soul into something that he's clearly passionate about could, could be amazing. You know, we've seen what he's done with his own IP, you know, mm. and I think, you know, it, it's, it just shows what a mess filmmaking is, even mm. when you're someone like that, that should just be able to, not not get any IP you want because that's not the world we're in, but like you know certainly to get th- that sort of IP, you know he's not he's not saying he wants to direct the next Spider Man movie, you know y- you feel like that's that's attainable and should be attainable mm. for him, and it's a shame that it's not. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he could he could move on to Nightmare on Elm Street. That that would be fine <laughs> by me. I'm sure he's gonna have a whole host of suitors very shortly. Um, but yeah, shall mm. we talk about his actual new movie that just came out? Let's do it. Let's talk about The Northman. So yeah, like we already uh, said in the news, I think this was... obviously the main draw of this movie by far is the director um like it's hard to even disconnect that at any point because from the second we even knew this movie existed i I mean you'll you know if you go back long enough in the podcast you will have heard it like like Mm -hmm. what we just talked about with that first news story with rose glass yeah that's how this started where we said oh yeah yeah we're like you know how much we love the lighthouse and we're waiting for his next project called the northman who knows what the hell that is and then we you know you slowly start to get cast announcements you slowly start to hear more about the the setting and what the actual movie is about um up until finally getting to see a new robert eggers movie which is uh very very exciting as i just said like coming off of the lighthouse which obviously was our number one movie of 2020 um and just really one of the most special movies we've seen for the podcast um and and easily one of the most unique um and it's Mm. interesting for robert because like obviously we covered the witch like so early on in the podcast back in 2016 and um i'm trying i've rewatched it recently i'm still not the biggest fan of it um i I actually don't like it and i think what's interesting is like he makes movies that are so unique um that i don't think they'll always land and so i just kind of always hope that it'll land like does that make sense that it's like i don't remotely think the witch is a bad movie i just know that it's not for me the funny thing with robert is that the you know his three last movies now Mm. on paper are things that we don't want to watch yeah you know it's a story about a witch it's it's this, you know, black and white, just just this movie that's this slow burn, and and then there's it's this Viking movie that we'll come on to, and like all three of those, if we talk about those as a as just a, you know, this movie's coming out, I I really wouldn't be excited about them in either way, shape, or form, and mm. it, you know, when he delivers, you know, coming on to the Northman, but with with Lighthouse, you know, when he delivers on that, I'm suddenly like should I, should I just watch like a, a shit ton of slow burn black and white movies? Mm. Is that my thing now? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Robert just made it my thing for that movie, you know? Yeah. And I think with the witch, you know, it had everything against it as far for me, like the, the biggest hurdle of these three movies is the witch. 
and i i actually you know i enjoy it and 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 that's more than i could say for anything like that this period piece i really dislike period pieces especially that sort of period piece you know where it's this kind of oldie worldy talk and and setting and not not super interesting to me and and i still like it quite a bit so i think that's that's the thing that i kind of find most exciting about kind of robert and when he puts a movie out there is that it's it's making me watch something out of my comfort zone and and more often than not it's making me watch something that actually i normally would would just not not go against watching but would just never pick to choose to watch it's yeah. not it's not even like a subgenre where i'm like oh no i'll throw one of these on if the trailer's good it's like no the second i hear like like period piece about witches i'm like nah like we, there has been so many movies like that for the podcast that we, the second that synopsis has floated, we've both said no. Nope. Mm. You know, it just categorically, and um, so so yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that he makes me watch movies out of my comfort zone, and then and and then the question mark is can he can he make them land? Yeah, um, and I think you know the Northman for me coming onto that is a great example where super excited about his next project every time we learned a little bit more about it i was like okay well i'm just gonna believe but i'm not like hell yeah let's go that's exactly what i want you know i'm like um and even when the trailers come out i I don't think the trailers were that you know jaw dropping i kind of didn't look at them too much if i'm being Mm. honest um but you know whenever i saw like the imagery the imagery i found quite strange because the imagery is of the um uh like the the gold kind of um helmet like uh, kind of valkyrie isn't it mm. and it's like that's kind of quite a weird image to have as like a main image for this movie i find yeah um but but yeah kind of it starting off it sounds quite quite negative but jumping into this movie um it's um <clears throat> was it is set like 1800s not 1800s like 800 yeah 895 ad i think it is yeah yeah i knew it was something 800 um and it's yeah kind of right in the viking era and we kind of um meet uh our lead character kind of um a young uh alexander skarsgård as in a young actor playing um (laughs) Amith, is it his his character? Yeah, like the oh god, we're gonna like we're really gonna struggle with the I'm, names. I'm, here. I think I'm just gonna stop there. Like yeah. Amith and everyone else, they're gonna be called the the actor's names. But basically, yeah. this one's one of the ones that's dual acted because we have a young actor playing Amith in the opening scenes, and kind of um, he witnesses kind of this this um, uh, cue on his kind of dad, who is the 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 leader of this kind of viking what do you call them a tribe army yeah. whatever you want to call them and um he has he is backstabbed by his brother and is killed and the, the the crown is overturned and kind of um ameth is kind of uh kind of exiled and has to quickly escape before he's murdered as well and kind of basically this whole movie then we kind of cut to alexander skarsgård as ameth as a grown man um who has made it his life's work to um not only avenge his father but free his mother who was who was taken captive by the brother 
um and um this is kind of ameth revenge story um i i can't even go much further into the plot until i start to talk about video games where this 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 movie i don't know whether you had this but this movie is a video game to me um it it, the the way that the there's chapters in the movie and the way that you have these different like set pieces that that bookend each each um each chapter like it it really felt like the the greatest video game adaptation that i've ever seen where i'm like there's uh, one part of the movie which is like an insanely it felt like a dark souls boss arena yeah where it's like he slowly enters this arena you know there's a big fight to get it go down he like picks up an item that triggers said fight and it's just yeah. like everything i was waiting for like the health bar to be at the bottom of the screen i was like oh I this know. is gonna be a tough one and, and, <laughs> and the thing is i i don't mean that in a negative way at all either no. like i say it's the greatest video game adaptation even though it's not adapted from a video game it's just it, it feels like that and, and it is this kind of journey journey and and this the other thing about it is this is two hours and 15 minutes it doesn't waste a second of your time mm. it kind of the movie starts with with the uprival and kind of ameth is a young boy it cuts to him as a man and then it's it's not cutting to him like as um you know trying to find his feet and doing that he's just already a monster uh, an absolute monster and we kind of just get the these action sequences and then it kicks into his him plotting his revenge and and trying to take out his v- revenge kind of um i guess kind of um you know notable kind of characters with him is the um is kind of anya taylor joy's character um who i think is called olga actually which yeah, she is, yeah. yeah and um yeah, there's the rest of them are right because then you got yeah. like his mum, who's basically just the queen, so that's her yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, and then the brother, which is now the king. Yeah, who's um, also the brotherless, which I like. <laughs> oh, there you go, the brotherless, and uh, was it like Fangor or something? Wasn't it? What something was it? like that. Yeah, I can't remember now what it was. That sounds like a Lord of the Rings character. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Anya Taylor Joy, who is Olga, who is basically like this uh, witch kind of, and and. Um, he meets her along the way and kind of they both kind of end up um kind of at the uh location where where um the queen and the king are and kind of as ameth is plotting his revenge he gets closer to kind of anya's character and kind of those two conspire together of kind of like an uprising of kind of um the slaves that are being treated poorly by the brother and and the queen and kind of obviously ameth with his own kind of plot for revenge um mm. uh yeah and i mean you know like i say this movie doesn't really as far as i'm concerned waste your time it's kind of it's it, it just it just goes do you know what i mean uh f- from the first minute it's just kind of action or plot driven dialogue it, it never just is a scene where they're just you know chilling eating a bone stew for no reason for 20 minutes you know it's like no the he's there then he's like right i need to get this weapon i'm going to go on a video game quest to get this weapon now i'm going to do this now i'm going to do that and it's just it's constantly going and to the point where i was like when when we were kind of i don't know maybe halfway through the movie it kind of felt like right i know this movie's got like an hour left and all of the characters in one location. I'm like, how are they going to drag this out? And 
it, it wasn't dragged out at all. It, the, the story just unfolded and it was just this epic kind of backwards and forwards, his kind of battle for revenge versus, you know, the, the, the king and kind of all that he stands for. And I think, you know, I kind of going, going into, you know, briefly my thoughts on it, I think we'll probably have a backwards and forwards on it, but like, I, um, I absolutely love the whole thing. I think it, it, when I walked out of the cinema, I kind of felt shocked and then I felt annoyed that I let myself be shocked, but also happy that I let myself be shocked mm. because we talk about hype and, and we certainly were hyped for this movie, but it's one of these ones that we've had in recent times where it's, it's certainly snuck up on us and suddenly it was there and we were watching it and I was like, oh my God, like this this guy makes incredibly special movies and we're witnessing another one. This has got a great cast, you know, the, 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 the queen played by Nicole Kidman, obviously Alexander Skarsgård, Nanya Taylor-Joy, you know, we have Willem Dafoe playing a very small character part, Ethan Hawke in this, you know, we've got really great actors in this movie. And I think kind of, you know, walking out of this movie, I'm like, do I like Viking movies and period (laughs) piece movies? Like, should I just go watch like a ton of like, historical battle movies now because i absolutely love this movie and um and i think you know this is this is why robert makes these sorts of movies because it's like i would never watch a movie like this normally and i've just sat there and watched it and had an absolute blast from start middle and end um i think the you know there isn't really anything negative about this movie and the way it's crafted or written or made but i think certainly the most striking part of this movie for me was the visuals and just this world that was created in this, this visceral, um, you know, bloody Viking world. It was kind of, you know, uh, as a kid, when you kind of study these things and you kind of see these books and you kind of have these images of it, and then you actually kind of see things that are on like film, or even you look at the pictures in a book and it, and it really isn't what you have in your head. And I think this was the exact representation of kind of, you know, the, the, what these worlds kind of um, were like in, in kind of, you know, circumstances. And I think um, that that's what I read in Night and Day. Um, it, you know, it was almost like he's suddenly been blessed with this color palette and kind of just is is playing with it exquisitely. Um, and, and yeah, for, for me, visually, I was absolutely blown away. Just, um, Alexander Skarsgård is like this, this absolute, like behemoth of a Viking is just on screen. You know, when he's on screen, he's just, he's petrifying. Like, I, I don't know how he got to look that way. And <laughs> I think it, you know, it, I think in this scenario, it is both ways because, it's the way he carries himself and it's the way he's shot. And obviously he's like ripped to shred as well, but like he carries himself as like this lean where he's kind of haunched over for the whole movie. And it just makes him look so dominating and big. Like I have no idea how big he is in real life, like how tall he is, but he looked like a man giant throughout this whole movie. Um, and like I say, I think, I think that's a combination of everything. Obviously the work that, that, um, that Skarsgård put into the role, but, but also the way that, that Robert kind of, you know, made him look like this monster on screen. And I think, you know, it's those things that, that really blew me away. And yeah, I have nothing but high praise for this movie. 
Yeah, like, I echo, obviously, pretty much everything what you said, really, of, like, going into this movie, it was weird, um, because, yeah, coming off The Lighthouse, which, as I've said time and time again, is, is truly one of my all-time favorite movies, um, I love it so, so much, and I've seen it so many times, and everything everything about that movie I adore, and so then it's the follow-up to that, um, but, yeah, on paper, Viking stuff just doesn't gel with me at all, But and then it's like, okay, I love this director, and I particularly love this cast, um, which we'll get into to because it has just so many of my favorite actors where i was like well of course i'm gonna love it and but you kind of put it to the back of your mind like yeah but this is john Norella i'm not really into da, da, da. and then when you actually get down you get in the cinema you sit down and watch it um you realize that you're seeing an experience that is so rare um where you're seeing one of the best people in the world right now who is making film um I truly think there is an argument that he is the best in the world right now, Robert, because I think the fact that, as we keep saying, not only does he make incredible movies that are almost completely faultless in every aspect, he's doing it in a wheelhouse, in a genre and setting, which we typically just do not like. And so that's what, that is almost more impressive. You know, it's not like he's making um, a slasher movie or something that it was like would, would yeah. be, you know, way more easy to please us. He's going like, what do you like? That is, it's so funny because I almost would love his next movie to be a possession-based haunting movie because I'm like, that is, you know, that's the subgenre that we can't stand right now. These like, it's you know, it's the most drawn out thing, you know, post like Conjuring and all this stuff where it's like, man, no one could do that. You know, we've seen like okay ones in recent years, and we've said, yeah, but like five years after the Conjuring, all this, it's like it doesn't have the same impact. Like, I would love to see if Robert could somehow do that because that would, like, if he did that, that would prove to me that he is the best director in the world right now, um, because he can just turn, like, say, all these things that typically we've tried hard to watch these different movies, um, but he somehow just nails every aspect of it. Like you say, like the the Viking stuff is so well done. And you can tell that he has just, he's lost himself for years and years and yeah. years in research and making sure that, yes, he's making a ridiculously entertaining movie, but he wants this to be as close to human history as possible. And then, you know, obviously taking his own artistic merits on it, which is that which he absolutely should do because it makes such a great film. But he feels like all the way they, you know, religion is incorporated and the way they kind of, the, the way they carry themselves and they move around this world, um, pillage and these villages and just all of that's like the the whole subsection of where we end up in this movie as well is fascinating because it, it wasn't what i was expecting going in especially with how big and grand the opening is mm. where it's very like kings and queens and families and very game of thrones um i was like oh, okay this is what this is going to be but then once you get to later with adult Skarsgård um and where he ends up to kind of plot his revenge it's it's not what i was expecting it's very different um it is this kind of much smaller community which i think just grounds the movie so well um yeah. to where i really felt like i knew all of the characters um and i think that like this movie has four ridiculous leads that like all deserve i think their own spotlight here um i have to start with alexander skarsgård because i've been such a huge fan of him since true blood um so like well over a decade now yeah, and he kind too, of <laughs> he, he pops up in so many different things and obviously the stand last year was amazing um i loved him in big little lies as well but typically he hasn't been in too many films um that we've even covered for the podcast mm. and so 
to see him in a lead role but this lead role th- there are certain acting performances that, that are great that you're happy about but then there's other ones where you're like i truly feel like he was born as an actor to play this role um because when mm-hmm. you think about like say the the physical attributes that he was gifted his own background and his own kind of lineage and family history um and and all of that stuff is like he was born to play this bad badass viking character in mm. a movie like that is literally everything about alexander skarsgård and so and so he's and he's built up such an amazing repertoire of acting now that to then do this role which i i I truly think this role is going to be so underrated because people would be like yeah he's just a badass or whatever but like the way he betrays it like you say with this he's hunched over and so much of it is this visceral like his screams are so guttural and you can tell again something like that was clearly they they taught that for so long to be like right you're gonna have to make these like dog-like growls and visceral shouts and it's not something that a typically a human can produce and so just the level of training that had to go into just the noises he makes in the movie let alone everything else that he does so incredibly well um i was blown away i've not seen a male performance this good in a very very long time like and especially this unique i think this movie is incredible and has so many good aspects of it but if Alexander Skarsgård wasn't an actor, I truly cannot think of a single other actor in the world that could have portrayed this world, this role the way he did. Um, and that's the biggest compliment I can give him. Um, and then, yeah, I think the other three leads are all brilliant. Like Anya Taylor-Joy is, is probably the most safest pair of hands in the world right now in terms of you just always get an incredible, uh, incredible performance from her. Um, and obviously, as a side note, like we've we've covered six movies of hers now for the podcast. Um which must be up there like i off the top of my head i can't think of another actor who's been in six movies um no. like may, maybe richard brake might have six i don't like it's close um but yeah. other than that i'm really struggling um <clears throat> he's the only one i think that probably stands a chance yeah and it's like and, and that is just it shows you how not only incredible she's been but like she always is in stuff that we're interested in and when you think about her in split her in glass um obviously last night in soho last year and now this she just seems to somehow find her way in things that we love um and i don't think you can just claim that that's like an accident you know that it's like there's a reason why she's always in things that we love um and it's because she's so incredible and she elevates everything that she's in um and then yeah let alone like nicole kidman is so good we like she never does stuff that we get to do for the podcast um (laughs) but she she's just incredible this veteran actor who is such an awesome like her was the one where the dialogue really blew me away in a similar ways to like what willem dafoe and uh, robert pattinson got to do in the lighthouse nicole kidman goes on these long wordy rants that are like Mm. one cut and she's just not skipping a beat like there's one in particular where she's like staring in someone's face like an inch away from them shouting and she's and she's just nailing every single line and the camera just doesn't cut away um which is which is something that happens a lot and i do wonder if that was a choice that robert made just to be like i need to just show these actors like i can't Mm. be doing fancy cuts and, and different nice shots i need to just let these actors act because they're, they're they're smashing it so good um i think that's a sign of you know when when you are truly the best you mm. can you you haven't got to worry about your own arrogance and ego and and trying to do things clever you just mm. let the 
you know, you, you let the right thing happen. And sometimes you need to do something special or you need to kind of, you know, captivate the audience. But sometimes you've just got the, some of the best actors in the world delivering some of their best ever performances and you just leave them the hell to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the sign of, like you say, a great director to be like, because mm. there are moments when, I mean, like, obviously jumping all over the place, but and not, to obviously not going to spoilers, but the, the final moments and sequences i I, I couldn't i couldn't i can't stop thinking about them and and i want to see the whole movie again anyway because it was so incredible but like i couldn't even i think take in the visuals of the final moments because it was so unbearably spectacular and i was so invested at that point in the in the in our lead characters that it was just like i was transfixed and i thought i was in it like this was my biggest when when i left the cinema i was like that was a cinematic experience that i haven't felt in a long time like i i've been we keep discussing we've seen so many movies that just filled me with unbridled joy in the last few months but it was still i still felt like i was watching a film i was watching a film that made me incredibly happy there's something about this just it took me away and and i hear people say that all the time and that's never been my experience with film i always feel like it's i just appreciate the art and the kind of craft and i love it and it gives me enjoyment but this was i don't even know if there's ever been a podcast a film for this podcast where i was like so transfixed in this time and place that to the point that i felt a weird culture shock when we left the cinema yeah and we were back in modern day and it was bright and people were going around on in cars and stuff i was like what is going on like i didn't even realize that i was so transported to this location and the way people were talking and the way people were acting um the closest might have been midsummer i think but even that you know but i think with this um i felt the same and i think that's why i touched upon the whole video game aspect because it is immersion you know Mm. i think when people talk about you know uh, the, why they have a preference to video games sometimes why people love vr it is because you get that fully you know you're in it you're controlling the person it is your story and everything else and i think with this it it felt like that for me because how immersed i was in this world but also how it played out exactly the way i wanted it to not in a way that was you know predictive or whatever it just it just felt perfectly natural his his progression and his story and i think that's that's sometimes um you know what we talk about with movies where we sometimes get an idea of where we want it to go in our head and then when it doesn't go that way we almost criticize the movie for not doing the specific thing we wanted it to do and Mm. and so when the you know when the movie does perfectly parallel with the way you're feeling and the journey you want to be taking on it you know that with everything else i yeah i was the same i was fully immersed and just like you said it took a little while where we we tend to sit there for the credits most of the time anyway but i just needed to sit there mm. and have this music play and just kind of you know get get back to the real world get back to 2022 unfortunately uh, yeah that was the thing i didn't want to yeah. leave because it was yeah. just i i could have if they would have just said like we'll just play it again from the from the yeah. top i'm like go again go again like i don't want to leave right now i never was aware of the time or how no. long was left in the movie it was just like god i'm so invested in these core group of characters at this point and i think that that is what is interesting because if i had any um even remote complaints or or i guess the the better way of phrasing it is the only thing about this movie that i don't think is completely pushing the envelope is story um because i think every other aspect is like as high quality as it gets when it comes Mm. to cinema but i think the story is you know fairly by the numbers um 
it is a fairly basic setup revenge story and that's kind of what i expected going in and that's kind of what i got but i think the reason why i don't think that's a bad thing here is because not only because everything else is so incredible but i think you can't disconnect obviously characters and world building from story and so even though i guess plot is the better way of describing it even though the plot didn't have any crazy twists or turns like it all kind of followed a path that i was expecting the fact that i was just in love with this world and so enamored with the characters and even though it kind of did play out the way i thought while it was happening i was so invested to see it happen and be like man now i really care about what is going to happen with these four characters um and and like i say it stems from everything like obviously the four acting performances um i do want to just say as well because i think i mentioned the other three but klaus bang who plays like the brotherless um obviously we we kind of seen him once before in the uh, the bbc dracula series um which he was by far the best thing in that um and so i'm so happy to see him again um because he was just stunning and obviously we we're way more familiar with the other three actors you know having only seen klaus in one other thing and like he was so good in this movie as this kind of more villainous role um and also the setting is is quite funny in a way because i'm so glad we saw lamb earlier this year now um when we discussed how it was like man iceland is gorgeous like that would be Mm. such a good backdrop for a great film and then it was like the northman was like don't worry i got you and and it's yeah and like the fact that this was all filmed in iceland um and is kind of in um and around that aspect of, of eastern europe like it's just it was so beautiful and it, and it just worked so well and like i say it felt so genuine with all of these people and especially when you when we're sitting there doing the credits and seeing all these like genuine people from this part of the country were, were part of this movie mm. i think that was what was so key to the success of this is that robert understood that he needed all of these people for this to feel real and for this to feel genuine um which it really does like that's what's wild about it i felt like i got this amazing almost history lesson at the same time as getting just an outstanding movie that i still don't think i fully comprehended like no. four days later or whatever from from seeing it where i i don't know i'm just I'm, a, I'm almost like an emotional wreck after watching this movie and i think that you can't prepare yourself for a movie like this which is probably why we were so unprepared because it was like well you can't prepare yourself for a robert eggers movie and i think that is why he is so special and might have an edge on everyone else that i think we are so lucky right now that we live in this time it is by far the best thing about this current period of filmmaking is that i truly think we have like this insane level of auteurs making stuff that when they make that film you go oh they're the only person that can make that like jordan peele is the only person that could have made get out and us and i think that i truly believe that robert eggers is the only person that could have made the lighthouse and the northman um and there are other people as well but i just think there's something about him robert the fact that he's doing it in it's more impressive because he's not making films that we should like um i should never like a a viking movie as much as i love this film um which is just so impressive isn't it i think that's the thing you know because i think when we talk about these people right now i think people like mike flanagan have to come into Mm, this the work he's doing on tv the fact that he can 
write and direct every episode of a TV show and have that kind of, uh, you know, standard and and quality. And I think kind of... Especially him, but, just to cut you off for a sec, like Mike Flanagan did the two things, which is like he did Possession mm. better than anyone else. Yeah. And he did a, a very heavily religious thing, which is typically my, my thing either. And I also adored that. So it's like, yeah, he's also doing stuff, which is very similar, like you say. And I think, I think with them, though, is that... Um, you know, with is things that you know only they can do, and you know, but you you don't even know what to expect. And I think that's the thing with with a lot of people. I think even like a James Wan that that is absolutely out of this world. You you kind of have a little bit of an idea for, mm. but I just think, um, you know, with with these guys, they they're just so out of left field. And like you say, you can only know what that experience is going to be when you sat down and watch it. I, I really, you know, didn't know this was any way, shape, or form the movie we were going to get, mm. and and I think I think you're right when you you know if if you're going to really start to point point a kind of um, a finger at it and kind of try to pick it apart, the story is probably the part of it where it is kind of just a very simple you know revenge story, you know you killed my dad and stole my mum. I'm going to get my revenge on you. That mm. That's this movie. And I think it's intentional as well, isn't it? For a, yeah. for a two hour film, like you can't really get much more in it really. Well, I think that's the thing. And it's kind of, because I think when we were kind of two hours into this movie and we were then getting into the kind of final scenes, I was thinking to myself, have I just watched a season of a TV show? Mm. Because I just felt like I'd been with this world and the, these characters and, it, and I think that's that's another just super strong strength that I think he's managed to pull off that often, you know, when we talk about TV, you know, talking about Flanagan and what he managed to pull off, he has so much more time than what these directors have for, for a movie. When we talk about stuff like Chucky that we loved and it's like, oh man, like we got so much more Evil Dead in Ash vs. Evil Dead than we ever mm. did in the movies. But but for somehow Robert has been able to give me that kind of experience where I felt like I was with this world for longer than two hours. It really felt like I'd had a full journey with him. And then actually when I look at it, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had more. Like I could have I could have had him pre getting on that boat and meeting Anya like for a season. Oh my god! Like, that first I mean? sequence when it is mm. just like these Vikings just absolutely savaging this yeah. village, like I say, that is something that you hear about a lot when it comes to this time period, and that's obviously something that is one of the main things. But I don't think I've ever seen it portrayed that way on screen before, where it was, it was just it like was the mental. level, the level of savagery. They somehow got it across that they just aren't like us. Like it was just this different. We can't even remotely begin to um, moralize or anything like like what it was like living at that time it was that is the thing that they nailed they worked so close to being animals um and it, and the whole that whole era is so animalistic and that's what they get across so well at the moment where it just feels like if you're watching just a pack of rabid dogs attacking people and just oh to completely overwhelm in this small village that's what it felt like but it was these group of massive viking men it was just so crazy it was it was such a beautiful scene in in a truly kind of brutal and macabre way mm. because i think you know you have you have kind of um the focus on skarsgård as he's going around wrecking this village but then you have these little vignettes of just this crazy brutality that, that he's kind of 
dipping it in and out of and sometimes he'll be the instigator sometimes he'll just witness it and carry on yeah that was great and and it just kind of you know it, it felt um you know i think kind of growing up i think we you know loved what peter jackson could do with lord of the rings and how he made these big battle sequences feel like the biggest battle sequences ever made and they they truly truly blew me away as a kid and i think this kind of captured that where it just you know it felt like this entire village was just getting under siege and getting decimated and we just see this very you know small path of what's going around but it felt like there was 360 degrees of carnage going on all around me it never felt like i was just (laughs) on wheels uh, watching this tiny little segment and i think i think that's the 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 genius behind it that that it truly kind of yeah, it just felt like this place was getting wrecked, and and I yeah I I think I think that's the thing. Like this movie just leaves me wanting more of that. It wants I want him being, you know, the, the spy or whatever you want to call him. The kind of you know, no one knows the wolf in sheep's clothing. No one knows who he is when he kind of starts to go down his journey to to, to get his revenge. And like I could have done with that for much much mm. longer. Um, him working his way up the ranks and and all of that stuff like it, every part of this movie just leaves me wanting more because it just left me so kind of salivating it in, 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 in a weird kind of way just wanting to see more of this this crazy world that robert's created well, i think it's when we just get something that's this good mm. you, you almost mm. you can't help but like be like oh this is incredible but please just give me more of it because it's so mm. rare that when you see a movie that is this quality you know we are talking about a very specific category of movie which is like mm. so 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 small you know in, in coming up to 300 episodes for doing the show i can count on, yeah, one, hand. Count on one hand yeah like the yeah. amount of films that made me feel this way um because it is just remarkable it's so unique it's a astonishment that this movie exists um i'm thankful to every single person involved that i'm I was just looking and apparently the budget for this was between 70 and 90 million dollars, um, which I cannot believe because that's obviously huge. And I just I'm thankful to the production companies and the distributors and everything for backing Robert and letting him make this movie, um, because I have a suspicion that I don't think it's going to make that much at the box office, which is obviously going to be a tragedy. Um, but we are used to that at this point with these movies that we absolutely mm. adore. That seems to be the the, the, the thing um, is that these amazing well, filmmakers watching fantastic beasts so there is hope yeah hopefully yeah and i mean Um, this is weird like this has been promoted a lot um mm. our cinema just anecdotally was very busy compared to the usual empty seats um it's got a fairly i mean these are this is a cast that i love they're not a-listers by any stretch but there is names in there at least that people will recognize yeah yeah um so it will be interesting as as i drove out of the the cinema on a bus Mm. like the full splash on the side of the bus and i was like wow like i remember like when i saw that for midsummer and i was like man like i wasn't expecting to see it like that mainstream so, so there is you know there is and obviously with this type of movie there is that embedded massive game of thrones audience that i think mm. if they can somehow um 
get inside that and get that demographic because it, you you were mentioning tv and so i do just want to mention it now because i want to do i want to fire some shots um th- this this two hour and 20 minute movie gave me so much more than the entirety of game of thrones ever did like <laughs> to the point where i'm like i'm annoyed that i watched game of thrones now because the northman <laughs> exists and everything i wanted from game of thrones exists in this two hour 20 movie but it's also a million times better than anything in game of thrones like just character wise visually directing acting every single thing about this is superior to game of thrones i think you know i said to you like as we were coming out of the cinema like how people i remember when 300 came out Mm. and people like lost their minds and like gladiator and all of these other sort of movies like that and i've like i've i've watched them all and i've been like yeah they're they're all right like i like mm. them but i'm not like and and which is good because that's not the sort of thing i tend to gravitate towards but they've never blown my mind i remember particularly 300 where i was like oh i'm, I'm gonna love this like i'm gonna think that that's what i think of the northman currently mm. and and it just you know it, it was it was really enjoyable and then just left my mind instantly yeah and um you know this is finally that movie for me that that's of this sort of period and ill can kind of you know that that sort of imagery that that's just the what i what i wanted from these things i think um you know like you say from uh you know delivering on a level of consistency for 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 the entirety of the movie i think is the biggest thing yeah where they just it there was never a moment where i was like taken out of the world or bored or or anything it just it had me enamored from the first scene yeah for sure um the, the other person as well that has to get a name check is the cinematographer um yaron blash who obviously was the cinematographer on the lighthouse and i think that this movie it, it's harder to, i guess to pull this off because this is such a bigger film than the lighthouse in every stretch of the yeah. imagination this is this massive epic film with huge set pieces and action and it's all set kind of in these big broad locations and that is like i say the opposite the lighthouse is 99 percent two characters um 90 in a lighthouse um so i think he got to kind of during the lighthouse it was very much like you get to take control more as a cinematographer and you get to make these scenes more interesting. Whereas I think with this movie, you, he had to take a bit more of a backseat because there's so much going on that he can't kind of get in the way with, oh, but I'd, I'd like to do this bit of lighting or I'd like to do this setup. And it's like, well, you can't because there's so much going on. But I think he was still able to make an incredible looking film. And I, I just think that it's not constant like there are times when he's like okay this is very important with characters i have to just let them speak okay this is a big action sequence how how do we just get that across entertaining but then there are other times when he really can show off his talent as i think one of the best in the world and especially like there's a bunch of night sequences in this movie which had this really cool effect that it kind of basically goes to black and white um and very does much feel reminiscent of the lighthouse and i do wonder how they did that because i have a suspicion that it was during the day and then made to look like night in post-production um which you know typically wouldn't work but just something about this style of this movie just absolutely worked so well um 
and he's just yet another cog in the machine like this is one of those movies that it's it's it really is faultless like everyone just deserves the biggest applause that you can possibly give um from the cast the crew everyone involved the sound design um and then of course it'll all stem back to robert because he is the overseer you know he's the co-writer and the director it all stems from his brain this entire movie um and I think that he's 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 really is something special right now. Like I say, there are so many directors that I love right now. Um, but obviously, The Lighthouse was our movie of the year in 2020. Um, no one has ever won our movie of the year twice for this podcast. Um, <laughs> it will be very fascinating because obviously we have another previous winner coming out this year. I was going to say um, it's quite funny, really. Who was who was maybe robbed of already two of ours? Um, but he obviously has a chance to do that this year with with Jordan Peele and Nope, and, and obviously the other there are so many other big films coming out this year like we got new rob zombie stuff like there's so many heavy hitters um it will be a fascinating year like i can already tell this is a great year and i think once we've had the big movies you know even scream was a joy and and seeing del toro do nightmare alley which was just stunning and all of these random little movies like fresh or like the return of ty west and he delivers by far his best movie so far in x like it really has been great. It's just been the oh, exactly when we've. It's just not been the consistent no. flow. Like when we've seen the movies that we're looking forward to, they've consistently delivered mm. like way above expectation. Yeah, we haven't had like a spiral yet or something that has really mm. killed the vibe of like, oh yeah, this is you know, like it might be Hellraiser. Like Hellraiser might come out and it might just be terrible. But like we haven't had that moment yet. Um, which we've is... had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. movie that I enjoyed. That I know. Hellraiser. I can't believe like that's still <laughs> one of the biggest surprises of this year. Like I was, I was yeah. waiting for that to be the stinker of like oh yeah they made another terrible one of these and like it's not a great film not by any stretch but like my god was it entertaining which i will no, it was an enjoyable point. car crash yeah. weren't it yeah yeah for sure um i think as well they're just just circling back to the northman as well i mean you touched upon it but i think you know when when the credits rolled and just seeing all those kind of icelandic names mm. and just seeing how much of a true production it was it's it isn't just the fact that it's set in that era era and kind of you know part of the world it can only truly feel that immersive if it's made by people that, that live it and know it now. Um, <clears throat> because that's the best kind of gauge we can get for it. We, we haven't got people from, from 800 or, or uh, was it, you know, yeah, what was it? 800 um, AD or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we've got people that live there now and, and that's the best thing we can do. And he's just the, the entire production top to bottom was, was, um, was covered with those you know individuals and i think that's why it feels so true and authentic um which you know i think with this sort of budget as well it it really takes a strong filmmaker to be like no i'm gonna i'm gonna cast the people that are you know uh, behind the camera and and in front of the camera the the um truly are the right people for the job because they can capture that feeling and make it feel authentic instead of just making it a Hollywood production. And, and, you know, it's not saying that that's always a bad thing, but it's just, you know, all, it's not a coincidence that all of these positives that we talk about, about authenticity and immersion. And then you look at the people that did it and, and they, they're in it and it, and it just makes sense that it works. Mm. Yeah. It's just, I, movies like this are the reason why we obviously love film um it's so special and you have to appreciate it when it happens because this isn't the norm like you don't get this every you know i would love to talk about a movie like this 50 times a year it's not it's never going to happen um so you really have to just appreciate these moments uh so yeah i guess obviously with uh with recommendations like 
I think the one thing I will caveat because obviously it's a strong recommend is mm-hmm. I want to I want to say to people like us that maybe this isn't your type of movie when we were discussing yeah. the plot at the start of this film just just go into this movie because the plot is not what will drive you here um it's everything else that we've tried to get across in this podcast which is so special and i think for me i was just completely and utterly transported and transfixed and now like you say i feel like i care about this stuff but it's because robert has made me care and everyone else in this movie has made me care um and in particular alexander skarsgård has made me care um and i think that it's just it's such a special movie like of course go see this and definitely the cinema as well this is one of those movies that yeah you can see it later on in the year and you'll be like oh yeah i really liked it if you watch it at home or whatever but see it on the bigger screen possible because these movies are the designed for that this is a massive epic film that deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible definitely definitely i think it's one of them things where like um if you're someone you know that's always been obsessed with a certain specific genre of something you know you've you've had spaceships on your wall since you're you know two years old Mm. and you're obsessed with space and everything else and then you you watch Star Wars or you watch Interstellar and, and you love it. And obviously you do because it's your wheelhouse. But then Interstellar is a movie like what we're talking about here. Mm. That if you don't like space, you should still watch that movie because it's fantastic. Yeah. Because it's made by one of the greats. And I think, um, you know, when you're someone like us, where I wouldn't say that we we have favorites because they, they're more akin to our taste. But we, we're not sat there with like this obsession over one thing. No. We, we do like a, a, a whole host of things. You know, we watch a ton of stuff outside of the podcast that that is just a, you know, random spectrum of things. But, um, you know, it takes someone making something truly special that then taps you into that, that subsection, subsection where I am like, oh, do I like these sorts of things now? Because it's, this is that good. And, and so, yeah, I think just, you know, broaden your horizons, take a gamble on this, definitely. And, yeah, 100% you have to watch it at the cinema as well. Like like we said, you know, being transported, it it's a... We've had quite a few rare cinema experiences recently. I think there's multiple times this year we've said that this is an incredibly strong cinema recommendation. Mm. More more so than we have a lot of times yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Um, which is really enjoyable because that is our focus, cinema horror. And I think, you know, again, like th- this one has to be seen on the the big screen um you know it's one where i kind of wish that this is just like on a screen like a screen can just be dedicated to this at the cinema Mm. and then just whenever we feel like it we could just go watch it because like i'll pick up a blu-ray or whatever when it comes out but like it just it just won't be the same as what it was on the big screen yeah um so so yeah go go see this way you can for sure yeah that first experience of seeing this on the big screen like that's all i can say to people is i had we watched so many movies like hundreds a year and this is so special and i want people to have that special experience that i had Mm. which is what you're getting to experience the northman on the big screen for the first time it's it's as good as it gets um the final thing i want to say is obviously with robert like I am so fascinated to see what he does next now. Um, Mm -hmm. I know we've been talking, obviously, about Nosferatu in the news, but, like, he just has the world at his feet. And I think that if I was any production company or distributor that had any sort of ip that had any sort of worth i'd be throwing 
all sorts of money at this guy whether it's you know yeah. it's star trek it's just any big brand that needs revitalizing this guy has proven that he can just do anything right now um and i think that whether it's any you know whether it's dc have a project marvel to any of these big companies or you know lesser stuff or he just keeps vibing and just being like no i'm just going to continue to make the weirdest shit into the best shit which i think that is that's the best way i can describe robert right now that's like his thing across three movies is like let's make the weirdest shit into the best shit um and I said it at the start of the show as well, so it's better now that we've obviously said our thoughts on the Northman. But yeah, he's made three movies now, one of which really didn't vibe with me, and the other two really oh. did. And I think that's why, even coming out of this, if I didn't like it, and it was another experience like The Witch, I'd still be talking about Robert the same way, because I just think he yeah. makes such unique stuff that it's, yeah, it's not going to land every time. I almost think it's impossible, and so that's why I'm just so, so thankful that this did land with me, almost as much as the lighthouse to the point that i can't even i'm not even going to try and make them compete in my headspace right now because it's impossible um i'll maybe try and do that at the end of the year but the fact that he's even remotely did it again because i was like no he's never going to do it again like the lighthouse is this weird thing that just for some unknown reason works to me and speaks to me and he and he and he did it again on a much bigger scale um which is so so impressive um but yeah, that was our discussion of The Northman. Uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, that is pretty much it for this week. Um, I just was going to briefly mention, because obviously we talked about cursed films um, last week, talking about that Wizard of Oz um, episode one. Um, I, yeah. I did I did watch Wizard of Oz um, nice. the day after nice. we recorded the podcast, because I was like, yeah, I need to watch it at this point. So I ended up watching Wizard of Oz pretty much for the first time. It's weird, right? Because i've yeah. seen almost every part yeah, of it you've probably seen 60 percent of it yeah but you have the 40 percent you haven't seen is incredibly odd and bizarre yeah because there's a reason why that's not shown in like highlight reels and stuff yeah and it's what's <laughs> going to really tie it together because i think that's what's weird about it is that i knew about dorothy and the and the yeah, red you knew, slippers like, the start, middle and end yeah, but you didn't, didn't know the actually what like oz is and why they're there or anything like that which is funny mm-hmm. um so what i will say is my hilarious quick review of an eight-year-old movie um that Every, a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not even remotely a horror movie. Here's my here's my hot take that people are waiting for. Um, I loved everything up until they meet the wizard for the first time. I think it's like absolutely incredible. Like I was absolutely loving it and just had such a smile on my face. Um, I think once they meet the wizard and then it becomes like the mission is like kill the witch. It's the movie yeah. just goes so weird when they like get trapped and then they're just kind of running around this weird castle and then they just like, <laughs> the way they take the witch yeah. down as well is just like. <laughs> the most random thing in the world yeah like and the movie just doesn't know how to end with like obviously with the reveal of the wizard and then him kind of buggering off and then the other nice witch being like oh you could have left the whole time dorothy and it's just like yeah yeah the movie didn't yeah, know helping us out but you could just you could just gone whenever yeah like the movie didn't know how to end but i did have a blast and it is funny watching a movie that old that yeah it still holds up like you know it's that old but it was it was special and they it was just an insane production and that's why i ended up watching the episode again to be like man this was crazy um so yeah obviously a big shout out to that did you um end up watching the the next episode of cursed films i did i did yeah i think 
you know, tonally it's so different as what you touched upon that it that it really isn't a, a conversation about Rosemary's baby as it is like like the the, the Tate murders mm. and and kind of the Manson family and it is it's it's a li- I mean I enjoyed it but it's also a little bit jarring because they'll kind of talk about the Manson family for like ten minutes and then they'll just suddenly cut to someone and be like yeah so Rosemary's baby and I'm mm. like oh yeah wait what I'm <laughs> like oh yeah we're going to be talking about that movie mm. and it's like it is bizarre because I, I kind of. I don't really think I got a good feel about what Rosemary's baby is and and why I should watch it. Mm. Um, Which isn't what these movies, what this documentary is trying to achieve. But obviously it it tends to do quite a good job of that Mm. where, you know, the, the wizard of Oz previously, it really does does a good job of telling you that story and then making you want to watch the film. And we both went and watched it. And I don't, I don't feel that way as strongly about this one, but I, you know, I, I, enjoyed is a hard word because of the 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 real life horror that 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 happened and what it focuses on but i think it was you know in it was an interesting delve into it um but they part of me kind of felt like they got super in interested in different parts of it Mm. um and i couldn't tell whether they're being serious or not you know there, there was there was the whole bit about the road and they had that they had that bloke talking about all the different um, people that have died mm. or that basically weird things have happened to them that have lived on this stretch of road and i was like i think they're trying to be funny here but i can't tell whether they they're actually like still th- if they're in it or not yeah <laughs> like are they in on this joke that i think is clearly a joke um or not whereas obviously like when you talk about the um uh the the hanging munchkin and kind of that that stuff you know that they were fully in on the joke they were making mm. yeah it was it, um, it was interesting like, i did really like it um i do think mm. i do agree with you that like you say it's not the point of the show that, that it's not like a a mini making of um it is mm. purely this more pointed thing and i think that obviously there was less to go on with this movie like there will be pretty much every movie outside of wizard of oz um so they did have to kind of hone in on like okay this is this crazy real life tragedy that, that did happen you know post rosemary's baby and there yeah. is a lot of evidence you know like i think that was where they really honed in on like the the bloody the white beetle the Beatles, yeah, yeah like that thing was fascinating that, to be like because yeah. i love stuff like that where it's like man that could easily just be a coincidence or it could be this crazy like level of you know like stanley kubik has so much and stuff like that in the shining and stuff where i'm like are people just looking into this way too much or was he like the biggest genius of all time and it's really hard you really don't know um and so that's why i love like the book that she was reading with the links to like the satanic church and all that stuff like it was really interesting and yeah like and then Mm. when they were just going over the tate stuff like I've heard a lot of that stuff over the years and they still provided me with some information that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. So I have to give them credit for that. And the fact that they even had like a bloody on this shudder documentary series about cursed films, they had an actual sit down interview with a member of the Manson family. Like yeah, that's mind blowing. And she's like talking about Tex, um, talking about killing Sharon. Like that yeah. was mind blowing to see that on the show. Like I really wasn't ready for that at all. Um, so yeah, it's, it's I think, great. I think, that's, I think that's the best takeaway I can get from it. I wasn't ready for it at all. Mm. Um, for, for this one, because it was, it was so in depth, true crime. Yeah. Whereas normally it's like, obviously 
with people being killed and you know that sort of thing has been covered in cursed films that's kind of what this whole wheelhouse is mm. but like this just yeah th- this incredibly famous case that's um been publicized you know throughout film and documentaries and everything else um to actually get like this different spin on it and and like you say to get that that kind of new information i just wasn't i wasn't prepared for that i was i was ready to watch like a thing about yeah white beetles being in it and weird stuff like that Mm. (laughs) you know but yeah it it was still really good i can't you know i'm i'm really and i'm really in I just can't wait to see the Wes episode now. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just to see like what, where the hell that one goes. As you said last week, I kind of feel like they, they might get caught up in the, the real life events that go, went on, mm. but I'm, I'm still interested to see that side of yeah. it. And especially as long as they interweave it as much as they did with Rosemary's baby mm. with, with Wes, you know, then, then I think it could be, a, could be an interesting one. Oh yeah, I mean, like after these first two episodes, like God, they've done such a fantastic job. Mm. I think this this is like one of my favorite TV things I've seen this year. And again, I'd highly mm. recommend it. Like season one was yeah. very good, but I already think just the overall quality. They clearly have this experience under the belt. I think they're a lot more pointed with what they're trying to do. Um, and like I say, they really hone in on the story. And I think with Wizard of Oz, it kind of it spoke itself. And I think that's why it was the first episode because it was so easy to do. Whereas I have a feeling that the rest of the episodes will be more like the Rosemary's Baby one, where it's like, why are we covering that? Well, here's this crazy true crime incident that happened and we can really delve into it. And I think that'll be the case with, like you say, the the Serpent of the Rainbow one. It's like there was a, a war going on at the time of filming. So that, that, that kind of tells its story as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. Like And like I say, it's such a unique thing. And I, I really, I love that Shudder have this. Like, I really hope it doesn't go under the radar because I just want them to keep making it. Similarly with Creepshow and with a lot of other stuff on um, Shudder, I just want them to keep building out this portfolio. Like, I don't want it to stop because I think that it just... It adds so much to the service overall. Um, but uh, yeah, great TV show there. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, next week we are um, we do actually have a, a movie to talk about um, that we're excited for because it's on what? Netflix um, that came out already. So people might have already seen it uh, and hopefully more people have seen it by the time we talk about it next week, uh, which is Choose or Die, um, which we kind of had in the news and that pretty interesting looking mm-hmm. horror movie on uh, Netflix. So hopefully it'll be uh, in, in vain of some of the better Netflix horrors because they... Well, I think at this point we've had the whole spectrum from like utter dog shit to like very, very fantastic. <laughs> Probably not like the the most upper echelon of horror we haven't yet had on Netflix, but I think we've had probably. I mean, we've definitely had like top ten contenders. So yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing with Netflix is that with the highs haven't been quite as high as you'd want, but mm-hmm. they're still you know that there's still been some consistently really good strange stuff mm. um this was like the video gamey one wasn't it yeah they find like the cursed yeah. sort of videotape and it's got like all yeah. video game stuff it looks interesting yeah yeah nice but yeah we'll see about that one next week uh but yeah that was our discussion of the northman uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone Shut up, I can't believe because I never could. How could I stop?